In our first reading today, Father Abraham is invited to go outside and to count the number of the stars in the sky if he can. I always love that. Didn't ever thought about the fact until our scripture professor at the seminary pointed out to us that if you read the rest of that passage, it says later on the passage, and then the sun went down and it was night, which is interesting that the Lord God called him to go outside in the middle of the day when you can't see stars and to try to count them, which was simply an invitation to say, you can go out there, but you just have to trust that the stars are even there because you can't see them, let alone count them right now. But in time and with patience, all things will be revealed and you will be able to count the stars of the sky. It was an invitation to a deep faith and the Lord kind of encouraging Abram by that saying, you know that the stars are out there trust. You can't see them, but you know they're there. Trust me. All of these things are the same. It's that that the Lord calls to us, invites us to, to that trust, and Abram has that trust. He has that faith in the Lord because we know, you know, that he does conceive a son, and more after that, uh, more generations that would come down to our blessed Lord, and his generations, the number of, of you know, descendants that come forth from Abraham, far outnumber the number of the stars in the sky that we ourselves can count. The Lord has proven himself faithful. The Lord also invited Abram to that trust in, in the sense, not just in a, in, in a kind of a, I don't know, a sense of counting the stars of the sky, but, but also acknowledging that, that it's not just the, the fact of things, but it was that Abraham was well past age. I love how Hebrews so poetically says, you know, he was as good as dead and he brought forth life. He was as good as dead and he brought forth life. Furthermore, later when Abram, the son, the son who would be the fulfillment of that promise, Isaac, as we hear, he would be invited to sacrifice that son the one through whom all the other things were supposed to come, through whom all the generations are supposed to pass, through whom the, the fulfillment of all the promises is supposed to take place, kill him. Offer him on an altar of sacrifice. And Abram was willing to do this because he figured that if God could make him raise up a child, even though he was as good as dead then, certainly he could raise up someone from the dead. And so the Lord calls Abram to trust, and again and again and again, Abram shows himself faithful to the Lord in seeking that trust, to know that the Lord would provide for him in every need. Together with that, we have these other individuals who are expressions of faith, of Simeon and, and Anna the prophetess, the two who are in the temple and longing, waiting, expecting for the coming of the Lord waiting for the day of fulfillment. Simeon, to whom had been told the promise that he would not die before he saw the Christ, in longing to see the day. And Anna herself, a great prophetess, always in the Lord praying, waiting to be able to proclaim the goodness of the Lord on the day that he came. And they, led by the Holy Spirit, docile to the will of God, trusting in him in the midst of all of these things, follow the Lord day after day after day in ordinary life, until the day that they saw the Christ. To them we also add Our Lady and St. Joseph. These two individuals who were told that 
they are to conceive a son, name him Jesus, that he will be a fruit not of a regular intercourse, but rather by the power of the Holy Spirit, that remaining a virgin, she would still yet bear a son and be mother, and Joseph would be father to this son. And both of them, not knowing exactly how these things can happen, trust that they will, because the angel has said so, and they trust the word of the Lord. All of these aspects are invitations for us to imitate the Holy Family in their faith, because they have imitated the families who have gone before them in that faith as well. Generation after generation after generation inspires us and calls us to place our trust in the Lord because he is trustworthy. He has shown himself faithful to all of these individuals in the past, and he shows himself faithful to us as well. And he calls us to faith. And that faith that the Lord offers to us is a faith that is is so necessary because when we come to serve the Lord, it is a challenge to us. Always reflect upon that reality that whenever we come to celebrate Christmas Day, we celebrate in this, of course, the, the, the violet vestments and anticipation and, and, and expectation and preparation. And when the Lord comes, we put on the, the joyous vestments, the white vestments, and we, we just praise God for the goodness, the goodness of the Savior born for us. Salvation has come among us, and we can see his face, and we sing all the beautiful, joyful hymns of Christmas. But it's an interesting week when you follow the days that are after it, because the day after is St. Stephen, the martyr. The day after that is St. John, John the Evangelist, who they tried to martyr, but he survived being boiled alive in oil and came out looking better than before and is credited as being a martyr, even though he died of old age in the end. On the 28th, a martyr. On the 29th, a martyr. On the 30th, we take a break. And on the 31st, a martyr. And then on the 8th, traditionally it was known as the Feast of the Circumcision, the first time the Lord shed his blood for us. Whenever we celebrate Christmas, what follows immediately behind it is a whole slew of witnesses who died for Christ, who were willing to lay down their lives for him. And interestingly, each of them kind of in in a different manner, expressing the importance of their witness, the witness to the Jewish Jewish authorities, a witness to to the secular authorities, a witness to the Roman authorities, all these individuals in various places, all throughout the world they come. And they're willing to lay down their lives for our Lord. He who took on our flesh. They come with suffering. And it's not something that should be kind of a surprise to us. Our Blessed Mother, whenever she brings the Lord to the temple, they're told all this great news, this child be the rise and fall of many in Israel. And you go, wow, what incredible things are said of him. And people marvel and wonder at the kid. And then Simeon looks at Mary and he says, yourself a two, a sword shall pierce. Yourself a a sword will pierce. In the midst of the great joy of this child coming, there is a sword. We know also that our blessed Lord mentions such things, and even in the Old Testament, what is an understood thing, in the book of Sirach, in the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, the second chapter, it begins, my son, when you come to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for trials. 
Jesus himself would tell his disciples, if they hate you, remember they hated me first. And in the midst of, in the, midst of the, the sufferings that they would endure, whenever Peter was, was going through the course of, of having left everything behind, and Peter starting to wonder, what do I get out of the deal, Jesus? Jesus responding, whatever you give up for, for my sake and that of the sake of the gospel, mother and father, wife and children, lands, possessions, any of things, you will get back a hundredfold with persecutions. He adds on persecutions at the end of that, which always kind of is a, a striking thing, huh? because what Peter is thinking about is, is Peter's expecting some kind of positives on the, on the, on the, the positive return of investment, right? He's looking, okay, Lord, we've, we've given all of this to you. Are we going to get seats of honor? Are we going to get notoriety, fame, joys of the world, pleasures? What? And he says, yeah, yeah, you'll get, you'll get things, right? You'll have, you'll, blessings will come your way. Riches will be, will be yours in a sense, but not in the sense that you understand it. But you will also have a share in my cross. And Peter doesn't realize that that too is a blessing. That is riches. It's our sufferings that truly are riches for us. And thankfully, the disciples would later come to understand that because we see that after our Lord was resurrected and ascended into the heavens, the disciples go out and they begin to proclaim the, the name of the Lord and they are beaten for it. They are whipped for it. And they leave rejoicing that they were honored and worthy of being able to suffer for the name of Jesus. They rejoiced because they were willing, they were able to carry the, a share of the cross. They come to understand that, that the faith is not something wherein the cross simply goes away, but rather it finally has meaning. Sufferings are not in vain. The trials we endure, when times where we are tested, they're not simply kind of extras. They are integral to our faith. They strengthen our faith. They invite us to place our trust in the Lord because it's in those times where our faith is, is exercised that it grows. In the same manner that muscles aren't, muscles, you know, they, 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 they decay if they're not used, but they grow if they are used. They remain strong. It's almost the same in our faith. If our faith is not used, if our faith is not tested, we can grow spiritually weak. So it is good, in fact, when our faith is tested, because the Lord is allowing us and inviting us to do as generation after generation have done before us, and to lift up our hearts to Him, to draw close in union with Him, to place our trust in Him, and specifically for us to do that in the context of our family life. You know, in the, in the, the opening collect for today's Mass, it was an invitation for us to imitate the virtues of the Holy Family in our family life especially that of charity. And it's right for us to express these things, to live in family life in a spirit of, of mercy and patience, of generosity, of selflessness, of charity in a whole variety of forms. But also is for us in the life of our family to live the gift of faith. Because very often it's, it's in our own families where faith can be tested a good bit. It's in our families that we see illness for those whom we love, and we're challenged because things don't necessarily clear up as quick as we would like, or at all. Sometimes it's death that comes to, our knock, to knock upon our door. 
especially the death of a child, a great tragedy and a great test of faith. So too, the loss of a child by miscarriage, the loss of a spouse, the loss of parents or siblings, all of these things are loss and challenges to our faith. So much to this, we could add the reality that, that in many places, families are divided. Families are, are set apart one from another, sometimes because of some, you know, secular quarrel or because of things of the faith. One is converted and another has not. One has remained faithful and the other has fallen away. All of these places in which in our family life, our faith can be tested. It's the, it's the, the reality that whenever we come to our Lord, there will be trials. And very often they will strike within our own home. And they will call us to faith. Just as Abraham was tested within his family, Our Lady and St. Joseph tested within theirs, and countless others the same. When we experience illness or death or dysfunction in relationship or discouragement in in marriage, whenever things are, are not well, it is for us to place our trust in the Lord and to know that he is mindful of all of these things. And if we still exist, he's still thinking of us. It is proof that he is watching over us. It's proof of his love for us. And sometimes it it is discouraging when we look at things. It can be a a source of frustration. But in those times where we are called to faith, it's for us also to look at the faith of those who have gone before us, especially to look to the Holy Family and to see the, the nearly impossible situations they continuously found themselves in and yet persevered, stayed faithful, Continue to say yes, whatever that meant. It's to know that the Lord is watching over them, the world is watching over us, and to place our trust and our hope in him, and to know that sometimes it seems as if he has gone away from us a bit. You know, we do, too, that uh, next in, uh, in the cycle C of the readings, it's the story of, of our Lord whenever, whenever Mary and Joseph go off in the, in the caravan and they they, they're missing Jesus. <laughs> and they have to go back and they find him in the temple. And it's called the finding in the temple, but it also might be called as well the running away of Jesus. Because that's what happened. It's not as if Jesus was just kind of sitting there and Mary and Joseph, you know, kind of lost him somehow along the way. And, and you know, kind of, you know, Jesus was like, I didn't, I didn't really know what happened. No, he knew full well what was happening. He knew they were leaving and he knew that he was staying. Did you not know I must be about my father's house? Didn't you know that I would be here? I'm supposed to be here. This was his response. And our Lord stripping himself, pulling pulling himself away from Our Lady and St. Joseph, allowing them to experience a loss of him from a time, to be able to go and to seek after him and ultimately to find him. A preparation certainly for Our Lady's heart on the day later on when she would lose him once again not in a, in a physical sense, but in the sense to death. And he would ascend into the heavens and she would wait for him again to be able to hold him and embrace him once more. It's a preparation of Our Lady's heart too in that, in that time of, of knowing that although Christ seems to be far from us, he is mindful of all of these things and he knows what he is doing. 
So too, whenever we feel that he is distant from us, when, he feels, when we feel that perhaps our prayers have not been successful, when they're not heard in his sight, that we've done something that, that kind of counteracts our prayers, whenever the Lord seems to be answering to us no over and again, when as fervently as we might pray for the conversion of someone or for healings or whatever the case may be, when things don't happen as we might, it is a challenge to our faith. And Christ can seem quiet, distant, but he knows what he is about. He knows what he is doing. He is about his Father's work then just as well as now. And it's for us to continue to seek after him, like Our Lady and St. Joseph, and ultimately to, to find him and to rejoice in the day where we will be able to find him finally in our eternal joy in heaven. And so as we come to offer these holy mysteries is to give thanks to God for for those who have gone before us, especially the Holy Family, who stand for us as, as this model of faith, a model of encouragement, that amongst the, the uncertainties and the difficulties and the crosses of this earthly life, to know that God is with us. He is Emmanuel, to place our trust in him, our confidence in him. And we pray for today that docility to be led by him, that wherever it is that he intends us to go, that we may follow with full joy in our hearts.